morning, isn't it? I've decided I can give announcements from here just fine. So have a seat. <laughs> um, good to have everybody here. Aren't you glad to know for that promise? Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. No matter what weapon is formed against us, it will not prosper because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Thankful for that this morning. Uh, it's good to have uh, everyone here with us this morning. I know we're missing some for sickness and surgeries and out of town and just uh, multiple little things. But uh, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit's here, so I'm happy, right? And you all are here too. So we want to worship the Lord and receive what he has for us today, don't we? Um, in case you can't smell it, fellowship dinner is uh, warming in the basement. So <laughs> there is plenty even if, as someone told me, they had a senior moment and forgot about it, even if that is the case, you are still welcome to stay <laughs> and uh, fellowship with one another. We need each other. we need fellowship, don't we? Um, so that is today following service. Uh, Wednesday night, we'll be finishing up Ecclesiastes, um, wrapping that up. And uh, don't forget, prayer service is at 6.30, and then uh, we'll have Bible study and youth service at 7. Um, and then men's meeting, right? Saturday. I heard it was tried to be announced last week. Fine on you when we were gone. Um, uh, yes, this Saturday at 5 o'clock. So men, come get together, fellowship, and and uh, and receive of the word as well. Um, any other announcements that need to be made? Best choice labels. Oh, I Yes, if you do have best choice labels, go ahead and bring those as soon as you can to Bev. It, uh, it's an easy way just to raise a little bit of money for ladies' ministry. So um, bring those to Bev, and she'll get those sent in for us. We appreciate her doing that. Uh, uh, we were going to – oh, Harold left. That's okay. Maybe Mom knows. We wanted to announce uh, the Kenya offering uh, that we raised, that we took up a couple of weeks ago. Um for that, we wanted to share with you the amount that was raised and thankful for everyone who was able to give to that. And mom is looking on her phone. And so is Harold. Everyone's looking on the phone. You got it? Go ahead and shout it out, mom, and I'll repeat it. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now you do it, mom. You don't, you don't sound like that at all, just so you know. Yes, praise the Lord. $1,600 and some cents. So thank you to everyone who was able to give and contribute to that uh, for Kenya to build a safe place for their children to come together and worship. So uh, we are thankful to the Lord for that. Um, let's go ahead and have prayer this morning. Uh, we want to continue to remember Lois. She is home, but remember her and her recovery. Um, and let's continue to reach out to her and, you know, want to be, be there if she needs anything. Um, and Vicki's not feeling well. She has a cold, so let's remember her. Uh, anyone else have anything they want to mention? Sue Nichols had a stroke, right? Yeah. Sue Nichols had a stroke. Some of you know Sue Nichols. Let's remember her in prayer. All right, remember our church and the direction God has for us. We want to be his hands and feet in the community, whatever he wants that to look like for this church. So we want his will. So uh, let's all stand and go before him in prayer together.
George, would you lead us in prayer? take up the offering. Uh, this is second Sunday, so this goes for missions down in uh, Haiti and in New Padilla. Uh, if you have anything else uh, to uh, that you wanted to give, be sure and mark it on the envelope, and it'll go toward that as well. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to give and, and uh, worship you in our giving, Lord. Father, we pray that you would take this uh, that we give, Lord, and and, uh, multiply it, Father. Use it for your purposes in the mission fields, God, in Haiti and New Padilla, God. We pray your blessing on them, God, and the ones who are leading down there. And, Father, for your direction for them, Father, and just have your way in all these things. Amen. to do something. Friday was Veterans Day. We want to acknowledge our veterans here. So if you were not a veteran, sit down. <laughs> not a veteran, sit. If you are a veteran, we want to acknowledge you and thank you for your service. So. It is a uh, sacrifice that many of us don't understand. Until you're in the midst of it, you don't fully comprehend the sacrifice that they make. So we thank you and all those that are serving today. All right, now everybody can stand.
to that day. I was thinking as we were singing that, you know, we just had an election, and everything I voted for did not go the way that I voted for it. Shocking. But I'm so glad that one day there's not going to be an election. Jesus is king, and there is nothing any man or woman or anybody can do, any demon in hell can do to stop it. Jesus is king, and he is Lord of all. Amen. church because of COVID. It was Sunday morning and I was sitting there and I was doing that puzzle and I heard this song and I was like, God, if there was ever a song for right now, I speak Jesus over fear and all anxiety to the people who became depressed and became captive, captive by depression during that whole season. I speak Jesus. And that initial crisis might be over, but its effects linger on. And new things rise up every day that the enemy tries to throw at us. 
that we can just speak the name of Jesus, knowing there is power, there is healing in that name. And there is, he's the one who can bring light to the darkness, who can break the chains of fear and anxiety and depression and bring joy to our hearts again and peace and security. And whether you need it or someone in your family needs it, a friend needs it, whoever it may be, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer.
Hallelujah. That's the Lord. 
got something going on. And we will do the gift exchange thing this year again. Uh, so max of between 10 and 15 max. If you want to re-gift, that's fine. We don't want this to be a burden on anyone. It's for fun. And uh, we'll do the, the little gift exchange game as well. If you have questions about it, let me know. We'll find out. All right, here we go. Might have turned down a little more, Daisy. Might use the mute too, but <clears throat> on all the other channels. All right, we're throwing Daisy to the wolves. He's Jude wasn't here, and we put him in the big chair, I guess we'll say. But uh, <clears throat> we had problems with this mic last time we started. So, but anyway, I speak Jesus. Do you uh, really want to speak Jesus? It kind of ties right in, maybe a little bit, to what we're going to talk about today. Do we truly want to speak Jesus? Do we want to share Jesus with our family, our friends, those we come in contact with? Um, the last few times I've spoke, we've been talking about change. And uh, I guess different types of change. Last time we spoke about change in the world. But we haven't let that go yet. Today we're talking about intentional change. Sometimes when we want to make change, we have to be intentional about it. We're going to look a little bit at some verses today about <clears throat> some gentlemen who were intentional about changing the world and sharing the gospel. Um, just real quick as we start, I don't know, I know Faye talked about the, uh, the offering that was received. I don't know if it went out online, but it was just shy of $1,700. So if you're watching online, that Kenya offering that we received was about 1700 here from the local church. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get a number. I know they were trying to raise about 10000 to send over um, for that need. So hopefully we can get a number here shortly on what all was collected. It was supposed to be going out this month. So we'll try to get that number and uh, um, just continue. Right, we can all agree the world is a messy place. There's wars going on. There's violence in the streets. There seems to be a very intense hate between political parties right now. The things that are sinful now oftentimes are called good. Have you noticed that? Things were sinful. It's just good now. But where do we look for change? Do we look to the government to institute the change? Do we look to humanism to enact the change? The good of humanity? Are they going to enact the change? Rules, laws, punishment, conformity, regulations, obedience. These are all ways that we try to make the world a better place. But what should we look at to establish lasting change? If you want to be part of a bigger story, the one that's going to radically change the world, you have to be a part of the gospel story. The world will never, ever be turned upside down in a good way apart from the gospel. Apart from the good news of Jesus... We will always continue to live in our lost state. We will continue to be dead in our sin. 
we will continue to rebel against God. But responding to the gospel in humility, responding to the gospel and receiving God's grace, that's when we'll be made alive. That's when a change occurs. We'll no longer be enemies, but we can be sons and daughters. We'll no longer be rebellious. We'll live under his guidance and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must know and tell the story of Christ, his sacrifice, resurrection, and redemption. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can truly change people. He takes from us our stony heart of rebellion, sinfulness, hatred, and he replaces it with a heart of love, compassion, justice, forgiveness, a heart that is in tune with his. In today's text we'll be looking at, we're going to be in Acts in just a moment, but Paul and Silas are going to be continuing on a mission that they had. They're going to be leaving a place called Philippi and headed to Thessalonica and Berea. Paul and Silas are doing what they do. They're going around and they're confessing that Jesus is Lord. They're preaching the gospel that transforms lives. They are telling people that Jesus is Lord of everything and that he wants a relationship with his creation. God, we thank you for this morning. I just ask that you'll bless these words here today, God, that we will receive what you want us to. God, we just pray that you speak into us here this morning, God, and that uh, we can be changed uh, for better, God, in, in the ways that you want us to be. In your name, amen. All right, so Acts 17, uh, starting with verses 1 through 4. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, and I'll try to say those confidently because I don't really know what they are, but if I do it confidently, maybe you'll think he knows what he's talking about. They came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As As was his custom, Paul went to the synagogue And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded. They joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So Paul and Silas are going on here. They're preaching and teaching. They made their way from Philippi to Thessalonica, and Thessalonica uh, at the time was a major port city. It was the capital of Macedonia, had a population, as I understand it, of about 200,000 people. And this is important because one of the things that we see Paul doing during his time of ministry, he would go around to these uh, what we'd probably call bigger cities. He would teach and preach at those places. So he had the foresight and the expectation that if he went to where there were bigger crowds, they would help spread the, the word to the smaller communities if he could go reach more people at once. See, he had an intentional idea, something that he was doing, and we see him do that often. So it was easier to get the word out to more people at one time in these larger cities rather than the smaller ones. In fact, Paul even writes about it um, in Thessalonians 1 and 8. He says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. So apparently it was working. It was spreading on its own, right? The people were taking it and spreading it. Paul didn't have to go do it all. The believers in Thessalonica were sounding forth the message to all parts of Macedonia. 
That's not to say that small towns aren't important, of course, and sharing the gospel with one person isn't important, right? We all know that is. Of course, those things are. But when it came to resources, population, and the reach, Paul was very strategic with his limited time he had. He was very intentional in what he was doing. He tended to spend most of his times in larger cities, and that way he would have a greater reach. Now, when he came to those cities, though, what did he do and where did he go? Scripture said he went to the synagogue. He went to where there was going to be a captive audience on that day. And he, would, uh, he went there to speak, and often it was because of how many people would be gathered there. He went on that Sabbath day to make sure there was optimal ears there, would be around for listening. Again, he was very intentional. But the words, he went, are very, very important. If we want to reach our community, then we have to go where the people are. We can't expect to grow God's kingdom and push the gospel forward if we don't go to the people. Contrary to our desire, people do not just generally show up to church to listen to a sermon. People will sometimes come to church if they're invited. People are more likely to come to church if they'll have a relationship with someone who's at the church and they are invited. So people sometimes come if we reach out to them, but typically they're not going to just show up. A couple polls that were taken. This one's from a few years ago. It said 37% of the respondents to the poll stated that they were very religious. 30% stated they were moderately religious. And 33% stated they were non-religious. A poll just taken last year has 31% of Americans never attend church or synagogue compared to 22% of Americans who attend every week. Those numbers aren't good. They have fallen off at a slow fade for many, many decades now. And actually that only makes sense, because if you think about it, that's less and less people attend church, and then they begin families, they raise their families, their families aren't attending church. So you're getting more and more people who are are not attending church. And that slow fade is only going to continue unless Christians make an intentional change. Unless we begin living with the purpose of sharing the gospel. We start living Mark 16 and 15 where he said, You go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The slow fade began when we allowed the thought of not wanting to upset people with our beliefs. We don't want to be a bossy Christian. We'll stay quiet. As that way we won't upset anybody, right? We haven't been the salt and the light, as we heard a couple weeks ago when I spoke. And then again last week, I believe you also heard about the father of light when Brother Nagel spoke. See, we catch things. Even when we're not here, we still hear things. We're checking up. <laughs> But it's almost as if God is telling us we need to get our lights on. We need to get shining again. We need to get charged up. Some of us need to pay the electric bill. Get the light flipped back on. Then we need to go out to the people. So when we go about our days, our day-to-day life, we need to be observant. We need to be aware that there are people all around us. Some of them, if not most of them, need to hear about the gospel. 
They need to know the love of God. And the best way to ensure that they hear is to tell them yourself. Tell them as you're living your life right in front of them. Develop relationships in the places you go, at the grocery store, the places you frequent, with your coworkers, your neighbors, those around you. Some of us may even have to make an extra effort just to be out and around people. But we should make the effort because God cares about people. We should care about people because God cares about people. So Paul and Silas, they spent a few weeks, the scripture told us, they were teaching and preaching the gospel at the synagogue. How did Paul teach and preach? Well, the scripture actually said there was a few things he did in there. It said he reasoned with them, he explained, and he proved. When he reasoned with them, how did he do it? He reasoned from scriptures. The people at the synagogue, a lot of them would have knew scriptures. They knew the Bible. But they still had to be reasoned with. Not everybody knew the scriptures, and not everyone we talk to is going to know the scriptures. But here's the thing. Christianity is not just about a blind faith. We have reasons to believe. We even have evidence of what is recorded in the Bible has actually happened. Unfortunately, though, too often we tend to check our spiritual brains at the door of the sanctuary. We tend to use thought and reason when it comes to many aspects of our life. But when it comes to our spiritual belief, we simply just stop thinking. And it can be detrimental. Because if we don't teach people to think and about to think about and to think through their own faith, the first time it's challenged outside of the church walls, they're most likely going to falter. They're going to abandon it. They're going to be led astray. We need to be a church and a people that asks the tough questions, deals with the controversial topics of today. We need to be open to people when they have genuine doubts about their faith. We need to be open to and receptive of the skeptics. We need to address the issues of today. But at the same time, we would never ever abandon our conviction to the truth of the Scripture because the Scripture is the final authority. Do you remember the youth question nights we had about five years ago? I think it's been that long ago now. We had some Wednesday nights and had youth questions where they um, threw questions at some of the adults. Um, There were some tough questions in there, but it was a good time of learning. I heard, well, I heard from adults that enjoy that, but I also heard from the youth. um, And that made an impact on them. But let's go back to Paul and Paul here. And these particular folks that he was talking to when he went, and he had to reason, explain, and prove that Christ uh, had to suffer and rise from the dead. And that would have been very offensive to some of the Jewish people he was talking about. They would not have been on board with that. They They would have believed that their Messiah, their Christ, was a mighty and glorious king that was coming to restore their kingdom on earth. They would have believed he was going to come and overthrow the government and cure the woes and the hardships. So Paul had to take them past their preconceived notions, you know, about who Christ would be. And he had to prove to them that Jesus actually had to suffer and die. Paul did not have an easy mission. And as the statistics showed us earlier, we will not have an easy mission either today. Convincing people who have little to no religious background that they need salvation, and it comes from Jesus, that's not an easy mission. But guess what? There is some good news. We actually don't have to convince the people. We're just supposed to share the gospel with them. It's not our job to convince them. 
Let the Holy Spirit open the door. It doesn't tell us what kind of, what passages Paul took them to in the scriptures, but there are plenty he could have chose from. Paul would need to convince them by demonstrating that Jesus was the hero of the Bible, that from the very beginning he began his work of reconciliation. It was Jesus. It was not a man. It was not Israel who was the hero of the Bible. All things point to him, all things come from him, and all things are made by him, through him, and for him. As followers of Jesus, we are called to declare and proclaim that same message to the world around us. As we said, there's a good chance a lot of the time we're going to be speaking to people who do not have much, if any, spiritual background. Scripture may not be the way that we break the ice. It's not going to make the connection. It's not going to build the relationship. It's not going to spark the conversation. It will likely have to be other things that make that connection and begin a discussion. But it's important for us to know the message of the Bible. We may know some of the stories in the Bible, but do we know the message of the Bible? The story that's from redemption, the story of reconciliation, the story of God becoming man to suffer, die, and be resurrected and how all that was actually foretold from the beginning. In order to claim the message of Jesus, it's important that we know the message. So if we don't know the message, it's our responsibility to learn the message. What if I begin, or in order to claim the message, it's important we know the message. And what if we begin talking to somebody and they start and start asking questions? Right? It can seem a little overwhelming, might get a little nervous, get a little scared. Maybe that holds us back. You know, the Bible is a big book. What if, what if we don't know everything that's in there? It can be hard to tell people about what we believe, but we shouldn't let it overwhelm us. Instead, just take it piece by piece. Have you ever heard of uh, Romans Road? Probably a lot of people have heard the Romans Road. Um, Romans 3.23, we are all sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then Romans 6.23, death is a consequence for sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God has provided a way for us to be saved from that penalty in Romans 5 and 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Confess and believe Jesus is Lord. Romans 10:13 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe and trust in Jesus, you are made right with God. Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that's the Romans road. It walks you right through um, the message of salvation. The next slide they put up there, that's all of them together. It got a little small. So we didn't use that. But if you don't know Romans Road, that's it right there. I'm sure you can look it up online. Otherwise, you can probably take a picture of that slide there, and then you can zoom in because you're not going to be able to see it. But uh, obviously, we need to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that false religions and false teachings are way more evangelistic than we are as Christians. It's not that we are afraid to evangelize. We evangelize all the time. We'll talk about the good TV show we watched and spread the news. We'll talk about that new restaurant that we just loved and the food was so good. 
We'll proclaim the good news of a, a child or a grandchild that graduated, got a job, etc. We proclaim these good things, but we neglect to proclaim the best thing. We don't tell people their need for a Savior. Why? Maybe we don't want to offend them. We don't want to exclude them. We don't want to be viewed as a pushy Christian. We avoid proclaiming the truth because we do not want to endure persecution, persecution, isolation, or offend others. But we have to be willing and able to suffer for the sake of the gospel. We have to be ready to suffer for truth. The truth will sometimes offend people. The truth exposes our need for a good and gracious Savior. Some will be angry. Some will be unreceptive. Some will actually respond with a saving faith, though. Scripture said Paul and Silas saw many come to know Jesus Christ. Both Jews and Greeks were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, both men and women. See, the gospel is for all people. If we're going to break the decline of Christians, we must become intentional about sharing the gospel, shining our light so others will see. Be prepared to share why we believe Use the Romans road. Walk them through the scriptures if we need to. In Acts 17, 5 through 9, the story continues on here. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house, who was in search of Paul and Silas, in order to bring them out in the crowd. But when they did not find them... They dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have, come, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into the, his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post-bond, and they let them go. So it says there in verse 5 that uh, some were jealous because Paul and Silas were taking away from their congregation. They were stealing those um, that could have became Jewish, and they were getting them to believe in Christ. So the jealous Jews took some wicked men, wicked men of the rabble, and formed a mob. They began a riot. It was actually an act of desperation. They wanted to create the sense that Paul and Silas were causing harm to the city through their preaching and their teaching. So they created an appeal to the wicked men, meaning that these men didn't acknowledge or believe in God, but they could be, they could be persuaded to act on behalf of the influencers of the city so the leaders could get them to rise up and rebel. They went to the home of Jason where Paul and Silas were staying, but they couldn't find them. So what they do, they attack Jason, and then they brought him before the city authorities. And they were accusing these, these guys of three different things. Um, Paul and Silas had turned the world upside down, right? They were causing a change. They accused Jason of harboring the troublemakers. And then they, they accused them also of defying Caesar and his decrees. So the first of those charges was about kind of the impact of the message of Jesus and the one that he would have on the lives of the people. So the charge was that the gospel was actually turning the world upside down. It was causing the change. The status quo there was being challenged. But here's the thing. 
The gospel does not turn the world upside down. The gospel flips the world right side up. It restores the people to their designed state of a relationship and fellowship with the Creator. It asks us to abandon sin and hold fast to holiness. It will remind us that you and your rebellion are not the center of the universe, but that you are to worship the Creator and the actual center of the universe. The gospel takes all traditional and earthly wisdom, and it demands that you abandon it for the truth. It tells us, don't be served, rather serve. Don't be first, rather be last. Don't build your kingdom, rather build God's eternal kingdom. Don't be self-focused, rather be kingdom-minded, right? Focus on eternal things. Paul and Silas had come to Thessalonica to do the same thing that they had done before. They had been to Philippi, Iconium, Lystra, Antioch, Syria. This just had to be stopped. Um, Otherwise, this power and influence over the town uh, was going to be turned over, and the leaders did not want to see that. People in power usually don't like it when they are challenged. So obviously they wanted to stop this movement. They didn't want it to catch and take too much ground. Uh, in their area they threw out another accusation there uh, Jason for harboring the troublemakers and Paul and Silas did stay with Jason but this was really just kind of a, a, a trap to get Jason in line with the other leaders it was to make an example before him out of him so that all could see that they had better not fall in line with Paul and Silas as if they did trouble would come but the most serious charge that was presented They accused Paul and his group of defying the decrees of Caesar. They were declaring the true king to be Jesus, and it was an act of treason. It was actually an act punishable by death. And how do we know that it was punishable by death? Because it was very, very similar to what Jesus um, would do, right? The charge against Jesus. They began in uh, Luke 23, Scripture tells us they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. All right, so Jesus claimed a kingdom that was not of this world. Paul and Silas were here speaking of the same thing. They were speaking about the kingdom who was, who was not of this world. But to a Roman... The charge sounded very much like a breach of the oath of loyalty that every person in that empire was required to render to Caesar. So what did the city leaders do with all that information? They actually, they charged Jason, the scripture told us, and then they sent him away. And God's hand of protection and providence, it was on the missionaries, and they actually left Thessalonica. Tells us they left in the cover at night, and they made their way to Berea. In Acts 17, the story continues in 10 through 15. It says the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So what they do? They did the exact same thing. They arrived to Berea and they headed to the synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see If these things were so, many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also 
they came here, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So Paul and Silas make it to Berea there. They enter the synagogue again, right, doing the same thing, and they start proclaiming the message of the scriptures, the message of Jesus. And if if you study a little bit, Berea, once again, was a city of great importance. It had a lot of influence in the region, a sizable population. So Paul, again, knew that going there, he was going to be able to reach a lot of people um, and reach them quickly with the message of Jesus. And then the group they are preaching to, which was called the Bereans. Um, scripture tells us that these men and women were, were more noble and were open. They were a little more open, more tolerated, more generous than what they had just came from in Thessalonica. The Bereans were willing to listen to Paul and what he was preaching. They were excited. They were eager to hear what it was being preached. They were hungry for the truth. They wanted to feast on the truth, but not just a truth, not a personal truth. They wanted the true truth. They were taking it in, and they did what all Christians should do. It said they searched the scriptures. So after he spoke, they searched the scriptures. As believers, our grounding for reality is in the scriptures. The Bereans were open-minded. They were willing to listen to Paul, but they weren't so open-minded that they just believed every word that he said. They were grounded on and in the word of God. said they knew scriptures. They studied scriptures. Um, they didn't just wait until a weekly gathering to examine the scriptures. It says they examined them daily. They didn't relegate their beliefs to a Sunday or a Wednesday. Because if we're only being fed on Sundays and Wednesdays, it's not enough. They wanted to know the truth, and they expended energy to search for that truth. Just because Paul was probably an intelligent, authoritative, a persuasive person, they weren't going to just listen to his words and then believe it. They, they actually took what he said, and then they aligned it with the word of God. That's what you and I should be doing every time we listen to a preacher, a teacher, or someone who claims to be speaking for God. You have to examine what they say. Make sure it aligns with what God says. Don't take for granted that the speaker is always right. Test what they say. Line it up to scripture. See if what is being spoken is actually what God said. So like the Bereans, we need to examine what's being said, taught, preached. We need to look at it every day. We should know that more than likely the speaker, if they ever said something that wasn't right, and you corrected them later or studied it and found out, more than likely they wouldn't be upset. First of all, they might be shocked that you were actually listening. <laughs> but they wouldn't be upset because they, you, they would know that you have taken what they said and you didn't just believe it. You took the time to study it, to look through it, and to grow. I actually thought about sneaking some wrong teaching into this message just to see if you all were paying attention to see if anybody would come up to me and track me down later. But I didn't do that. Or did I? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. We've got to have a hunger for the word of God. We should be more interested in learning about the creator of the universe than what we are in our favorite hobby, our favorite pastime, our favorite sports team. Sure, the Bible can be intimidating. It can be overwhelming. It is pretty big. I have a hard time reading big books. We might not even know where to start. Sometimes we just look at it. 
But the truth is, it doesn't really matter where we start. Just start. Listen to it being read. Read it yourself. Be comfortable knowing that you're not going to know it all. Nobody ever knows it all. But we need to know some of it in order to share Jesus, in order to protect ourselves from false teachings, um, from being led astray. Search the scriptures, love the scriptures, examine the scriptures, hold all the teachings um, that we hear to the light of the scriptures. There's light again. To see if they stand up and if they're... It is the truth that's being revealed. We should do that with our friends, our family, in Sunday school class, in Bible study group. This is how we are to live as followers of Christ. Here's the reality. You can't get all that you need to live a life of godliness from just coming and listening on a Sunday. You have to do some work on on your own. One to two hours a week, that's not going to be enough. We have an opportunity to... Deeply know the Creator and the Savior. After the Bereans searched the Scripture to know what Paul is preaching, the Scripture said that many of them believed. They believed what it was. But then it went on to tell us that the mob in Thessalonica heard that Paul was preaching in Berea, and so they came to stir up some more trouble. So the believers there in Berea, what they do? They sent Paul on his way, and he actually ends up going to Athens. I encourage you to read um, the time before this and the time after it um, is quite quite as quite the uh, story on through the scriptures here. But as followers of Christ, we should always be proclaiming the truth, the truth that we believe. And like Paul and Silas, in order to proclaim the truth, we have to know the truth. We need to be like the Bereans, take the time, spend the energy, delight in knowing our Savior. Paul and Silas did not hold back on sharing the gospel. They were very intentional on how they went about it. Maybe you already share the gospel with everyone that you meet. Maybe you're, you don't really need to make a change in this area. Maybe you're sitting there wondering if this message really was for you at all. But hopefully you can find some kind of encouragement in the word somewhere. We get to know him and then we can proclaim him. We proclaim him. And others get to know him. We teach him to those that are just getting to know him. That's discipleship. And then we continue that process. I'll read that again. We get to know him and then we can proclaim him. We proclaim him and others can get to know him. We teach him to those that are just getting to know him. And that's discipleship, right? And then we just continue that process. It's how we actually turn the world right side up. It's how we leave our imprint on society. It's how we can improve our community. It's how we change our everyday world. It's one person at a time. Preach it, teach it, and live it. Live the gospel. Change the world. We have to be intentional about the change. If you would, stand at this time. If you don't know about this God that we proclaim, if you haven't given yourself to him, I pray that you would recognize that you have sin in your life. Jesus died to take away those sins, and I pray that you ask forgiveness. That's all it takes. Let's all make some intentional changes in our lives. Let's live Mark 16 and 15, and let's share the gospel with our worlds. Let's pray. God, we come to you at this time, Lord, just thanking you uh, for your words, Lord. I pray that you'll help uh, change each of us, God, to be more like you, God, that we would be able 
to uh, share the gospel, God, with, with those around us, Lord, and in our everyday lives, that you would be um, uh, helping draw, in our, draw our attention, God, to the people around us, God, and that we can say things to spark conversations, God, and to uh, build relationships, Lord, that we can help share others with you, God, and um, we just... Uh, pray that you would open our eyes to that, God, and to help lead us, God, in, into those uh, conversations, God, and into those times, Lord, and that we'll have a desire to continue to study and know more about you, God, so that we can have uh, tough conversations, God, with those around us, Lord, and that we won't be uh, shy or intimidated, God, but that we can um, step into conversations boldly, God, and with confidence, Lord, and, and knowing that you would be there with us, God, and, and to help us just to uh, be the witnesses that you want us to be, God. We thank you for your words here this morning. We thank you for the food that's downstairs. We ask that you will bless it and be with each one, God, and um, we just thank you that we'll have this time of food and fellowship and, and just uh, watch over us and continue to uh, minister to us, God, as we go about our days. In your name, amen. Amen. Did anybody take me up on the last? See, not everybody did the uh, the uh, monkey bars, but what about the, the checks? Did anybody tell their boss they wanted their check in salt? Nobody? Remember? Two weeks ago, you're supposed to ask. I tried it with the government, and they don't give salt. The government wouldn't do it? Yeah, I tried it with my boss, and he thought it was a good idea, so I'm going to go with it. Thank <laughs> you.